We've done things first and it's, sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't. We have shown bigger companies what is possible if you just think more outwardly, think about sustainability in the consumer rather than profits first. Hello and welcome to the Age of Plastic podcast. This is the 100th episode. Now, if you saw me on TV this week and you wanted to check it out, welcome along. I'm Andrea Fox, just your average guilty consumer looking to do better in this period of time I like to call the age of plastic because that stuff gets everywhere. Oceans, rivers, our soil, the air and even, yikes, our blood, apparently. So this podcast is all about finding out about people doing things differently and thinking differently about the stuff in our lives, what we do with it when it comes to the end of its life and putting pressure on the producers. More on that in a second. If you're intrigued about how to rent out kids' toys, the one-stop shop for circular kids' clothing, your finances and plastic. If you'd like to know more about the episodes I mentioned with Flora from Washed Up Cards or the plastic replacement that's carbon negative and made from little microorganisms that live in the ocean, all of those episodes are linked in the show notes. We've even had DJs on this podcast who are creating forests. Hi there, Sam Felt. Um, plus, this is a shame-free podcast. This isn't about throwing out your stuff and buying new plastic-free stuff. It's about using what we have, not buying things that we'll only use once, because it's not good for your wallet as well as the planet. And it's about using our people power to ask plastic producers to do better. So stick around for that downloadable template. You can use it on email, social media, whatever you like, to ask companies that you buy from what their plans are to reduce their plastic waste. It's just a little piece of that climate change puzzle. And if you're a long-term listener and are like, what is she talking about? Hi there, how you been? Yeah, I was on the telly this week, depending on when you're listening to this. I was on TV in the UK Sunday, or I will be on TV in the UK, Sunday, 8.30am ITV on the Katie Piper Breakfast Show. They're talking to podcasters throughout this new series, and I'm the first one. I'll link in the show notes, and if you are listening from outside the UK and you're interested, let me know. Contact details are in the show notes, and I'll see what I can do. As always, we've got a brilliant guest on the podcast and an eco-life hack, something you might be able to use today to be more sustainable. Now, on to our brilliant 100th episode guest. I love beauty. Skincare, that's my heaven. Plastic waste in the beauty industry is dwarfed by that of fashion when it comes to climate change. But we all need to be doing our parts, beauty brands included, and Ren Skincare have been at the forefront, pioneering ocean plastic in their packaging. And guess what? Now bigger brands like Garnier also have plastic-free targets. Now, back in 2019, I spoke with the then Ren Skincare CEO, Arnaud Massey, what a great French name, all about our changing ideas to plastic packaging. Packaging meant luxury. Today, packaging means waste. Now we say grace the new green, but I had to convince so many people, even in my team. In 2018, the company had pledged to become zero waste by 2021, meaning 100% of all Ren skincare packaging would be recycled, recyclable or reusable. And guess what? They did it. So to tell us all about the trials and tribulations of being a zero-waste beauty brand is Ren's global ambassador with 20 years' experience in the skincare industry and a glowing complexion, David Delport. Now, David's been sharing Ren's clean-to-skin, clean-to-planet values since 2008, and here he is on the Age of Plastic podcast. Me and him, live from his kitchen. 
Welcome to a very special Age of Plastic podcast because it is our 100th episode and we are revisiting a brand that we've spoken to in the past. I'm very excited to be sitting in the kitchen of <laughs> Ren Skincare's Global Ambassador, David Delport's uh, lovely home. David, thank you so much for chatting to me thank and welcoming so, me into your home. A, yeah, such a pleasure. You're welcome. Absolutely. Thank you. Now, people who listen to the podcast will know that I often go quite heavy on skincare because I mm. am a skincare junkie. Obviously, mm. you are as well, mm-hmm. working in the industry, mm-hmm. which you have done for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> Giving away a lot about my age. I probably started when I was a little too young to be working, but yeah, it's, it's 20 years in the industry. Amazing, yeah. amazing. You, I mean, I, and I guess, you know, it must feel like, you know, you're a bit of a kid in the candy store getting to come to work every day and work in skincare, especially for a brand like yeah. Ren. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I never imagined, you know, starting off in a small little department store in South Africa that this is where life life would take me. But I, it, there has been an element of sort of grafting and hard work and being very open to change along the way. But yeah, I'm in a great position now where I get to I get to play, I get to educate, I get to meet wonderful people like yourself all around the world. And importantly, sort of come up with ideas and test products and really kind of shape trends and things that really, you know, people need. And I think this for me is probably the most exciting part of my job is that I have a real kind of influence in, in, in what's coming out and what's what's up next. Yeah, we're yeah. definitely going to get into some trends in a little bit. But the reason we are talking is because of this brilliant um pledge back in 2018 mm. and I spoke to your predecessor in 2019 about mm. becoming a zero waste brand by 2021 mm-hmm. one of the phrases that came up was that you know you've worked in the industry for a long time back in the day in the beauty and skincare industry lux packaging meant luxury and today oh, yeah. packaging means waste yeah. do you still think that that's becoming more and more of a prevalent idea um I I do not as much or not as fast as I think we would like to see that happening Given, you know, uh, you'd imagine that uh, when you switch your packaging to be very sustainable, sales suddenly skyrocket. And I'll be honest with you, that's not the case. We're getting there. And I think we're still speaking to a smaller but well-informed group of people. And what we really need to do now is broaden that out. And I think the more people that get to know about REN and understand what we're trying to do, around packaging, um, obviously the better for us, the better for the environment. But I do think that there's still um, there's still many places in the world where this notion that you know luxury means big glass bottles with gold lids and all sorts of, you know, I'm not gonna mention the brands, we know they still exist, they are doing very well. But um, the bottom line is it's changing, it's changing, it is moving forward. And that's that's something I've certainly seen in the last, I would say even in the last three to four years, which is surprising yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I did wonder whether the pandemic would have slowed down Ren and other companies sort of net carbon and uh, mm. zero waste pledges. Mm. So let's get on to that then. You did manage to become we zero did. waste by yeah. 2021. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Um, was it all plain sailing? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. No, absolutely not. I think, you know, we're still kind of in a little bit of a, a shock over the amount of work that went into the last few years. Um, you know, it was kind of like working at two jobs because we had this back catalogue of, say, 50 SKUs or 50 products that we had to completely re-engineer. Mm. And every format is different, whether it's a liquid or a gel-type product or a cream. They all have to be stabilised and protected because the priority is really to keep the product safe, mm. safe for the client's skin. That's number one. Number two is sustainability. So there was a lot that was going on in the background while in tandem, still working on Ren as a brand, creating new products that were needed for our clients. 
So yeah, it was a it was hell of a ride. But let me tell you, it was super dynamic. Going into the office, talking to people around the world, doing our masterclasses around sustainability, and really taking people on that journey with us has been such a incredible experience for me and for us as a brand. So yeah, it's been tough work, but um, yeah, we did it. That's the important thing. We, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well done. You made it. We're looking at some of the products now. I yeah. mean, and I have to say, I'm always a bit more packaging heavy. Obviously, you know all about the packaging and all about what goes into it. But the whole like clean to planet, clean to skin mm. that is behind the Ren brand. What were the most difficult things when it came to packaging to make sure that those products worked the way you want them to work, mm. uh, but were delivered in a more sustainable way and sustainable packaging? Um, right off the bat, I, I would say anything that comes in a pump is difficult. So if you're finding a product out there or if you're using a cosmetic product that comes in a pump, often that is the bit that you know, that's the hurdle you fall over, is the metal spring in the pump, mm. the different types of plastic contained in one product packaging. So, you know, we talk about monomaterial a lot at REN. We try to keep it as monomaterial as possible just because it makes any potential recycling um, a lot easier for consumers and also for the people out there doing that work. But, um, yeah, I would say, yeah, the pumps were really, really tricky. And then also, interestingly enough, anything that comes in a squeezy tube, so I'm just holding up here now. This is the um, Perfect Canvas Clean Jelly Oil Cleanser. Yeah, it's a and beautiful pink packaging yeah, with a great and, top. You know, the thing about a tube is you've got to squeeze it to get the product out, right? But we tried this tube with 100% post-consumer recycled plastic and it broke and it cracked mm. and we couldn't ship it and, and whatnot. So we really had to go, okay, what is, the, what is the very best we could do to make the product usable and also more sustainable, and that's 50% post-consumer recycled plastic and then 50% uh, regular plastic. But the lid, of course, is 100% because that doesn't need to move. It's just a sort of solid structure. So I would say, yeah, squeezy tubes and anything with a pump were the trickiest. Nice, yeah. And I suppose we're in the past few years since we last had Ren Skincare on the podcast, there's been a few, many, many beauty launches, as you'll be aware of. It's yeah. a very crowded market. Probably too many, too in many. my opinion, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. there was one um, Kardashian uh, who released <laughs> things and again was bringing out uh, makeup wipes and makeup removing wipes. I mean, I feel like we're stuck in the 90s sometimes with, yeah. with this stuff. Who are they listening to? Who are the people guiding these celebrities? You know, because... It's such an easy win to have to either just not do it or to educate on it. And I mean, they're the ones that can really make a difference, which is really super frustrating. They have the billions of followers. Come on. Yeah. It just takes one. It just takes one little bit of education, one piece of good advice, and you can make some real change. But anyway, no. we won't go on. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to up, uplift rather Yeah, than we can uplift. Absolutely. Um, other brands. But I, um, you touch on that word education. That's mm. such a big thing for Ren because... As well as making these products, you want to educate people on the right way to get rid of them at the end of their life cycle. Yeah, and this actually was, in my opinion, this was the hardest part of the whole process. Really? Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, you know, we worked with people like TerraCycle. Yes. We we worked with um, some of the sort of the biggest brains in the industry when it comes to recycling to understand. How do we have to make this product in order for it to be properly recycled? So that's the bit we focus on and we, we try to do to the best of our ability. But then the next bit when it comes to actually recycling is the problem because there's an education problem. You can't problem control that, can And you? you can't control that. And depending on where you live in the world, it's very different. And you're a global brand. Global brand. I mean, I've, I, I travel a fair amount for work. And, you know, I go to the States and I go to sort of Asia. And, I go, and everywhere I go, it's got a different opinion on recycling or different capability. And this is the bit that 
is frustrating. So what I would say is we're trying our best to future-proof our brand and to make it as easy as possible for both consumers and recycling facilities to recycle our products. Mm. It's not a, you know, there's no silver bullet and it's not a um, unflawed system, but that's the very best we can do. And then, of course, educating through social media. And when you go onto our website, you will see very clearly there's instructions on how to best recycle the product, whether that means separating something, something that is or isn't recyclable, etc. It's all it's all there. So I think education is super important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I have to say, um, I remember grey is the new green was the yeah. phrase from the <laughs> podcast last time we yeah. spoke to Ren Skincare. But Ren, I was thinking about it on the way here. Some certain clean beauty brands, mm. they have quite a look. And I think Ren has managed to keep the, the best sustainability you can possibly manage with the mm. packaging, but it still looks really fun. It's still colorful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It still looks like something you'd want to have in your bathroom. And it's kind of, it has that minimalist look, which I mm. think is always very chic. Um, and that is also, yeah, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because it's, a, it's, it's something we've had to consider is, you know, we, we want to show that you can still have this fun, playful, luxurious look in packaging. And it doesn't have to be something wrapped in a bit brown of cardboard paper, or yeah. brown paper bag or, you know, it's sort of, uh, yeah, because this is a luxury industry we work in. I mean, that is the bottom line. This is a nice to have, not a, not a must have, if I'm honest. So, yeah, we do the best we can to make it sure it looks, it looks beautiful, it performs in the way it should. And, of course, you have those... Um, there's more eco-credentials attached to the packaging as well. Yeah, completely. We were yeah. talking about how it's such a luxury, you know, we're both skincare fans and it's such a, like a luxury self-care, lovely moment and you want that to yeah. be, you I know. mean, nothing feels like a Ren product. Uh, mm. I try a lot of different things. and I bet you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of disappointed we're not in your bathroom to be honest. <laughs> so I can have a little, little look at the, uh, well, <laughs> look at the bathroom camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's a bit of a hot mess because we've just come back from a trip, but... Um, uh, we're actually moving into another room with a bigger bathroom for that reason. Perfect. Because, you know, I don't have a lot of other brands on my shelf, um, mm. but I do have a lot of sort of product samples and things coming up. So there's always sort lab of... Lab testing. Lab yes. testing. Yeah, Love very that. fun part of the job. Now, let's talk phrases then. Mm. The fashion industry and the beauty industry often compared. Um, so they're trying to nail down some of the terms in the fashion industry mm. to avoid this greenwashing, which we'll get onto in a minute. But mm. sustainability... What does it mean for you? What does it mean for Ren? What do you think it means, that phrase, sustainability, for the beauty industry? Yeah, um, well, for us, you know, we started with packaging because that was something we could affect very quickly, which is why we, we gave ourselves that deadline of end of 2021. Um, but it also applies to ingredients and it applies to what you put into your product as well. Manufacturing processes, our warehouses, you know, we're using green energy, how are we shipping our products to customers? We work with, with books, box, which you can return. So, you know, every single touch point has to, has to incorporate the, some form of sustainability in, as well. So for, for me, it's going to be about, I think, a trend coming our way in terms of sustainability is using less but doing it better. And I think mm -hmm. as science is evolving, we, I'm seeing ingredients coming through that we never could have imagined 15 years ago were possible wow. in this kind of... Um, sort of almost something that is upcycled or something that's a byproduct of the food industry or waste product of the food industry that's upcycled into skincare. There's a lot of really interesting things happening. And I, I think kind of that's where that's where the direction's going. Yeah, you know? we've had upcycle on, on the podcast before. Um, uh -huh. Again, uh, yeah, lots, lots of that, lots of innovation happening in the space. That's the thing, isn't it? Everyone just needs to be as open about how 
how you're doing and you know not yeah. being perfect like you say yeah. you're working it's the you know zero waste by 2021 it's not a full stop for the no, brand no no not at all not at all and i guess it's just in whatever way you can just try to minimize minimize your impact and i think when you start to label things or go this brand is very eco or this brand is eco this brand isn't eco it, it's very hard to be perfect mm. but i think what you can do is keep trying to do better and to adopt new technologies and new methods when you get the opportunity. And I think that's what Ren's done very well. We're small and we're very agile and we've done things first and it's, sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't. But I think we, we have shown bigger companies what is possible if you just open yourself up a little bit, you think more outwardly, think about sustainability in the consumer rather than profits first mm. and we're hoping you know we all working you know it is a business so we're hoping the profits come yeah but at the same time we're also very conscious that this is a luxury industry we're in and that whatever we do shouldn't come at the cost of the planet you know also things like animal testing and mm-hmm. uh, moving towards being a vegan brand vegan. and those sort of things yeah. yeah yeah definitely and I suppose looking at fashion looking at that sort of way that a lot of brands I think if they lead with the clean stuff it tends to be fear-mongering against other brands yeah and I think that's um it's difficult for the industry isn't it because Mm. I think that's where the beauty industry greenwashing around sustainability comes in would you agree yeah it, it is I mean and I personally I don't love the clean category I yes I mean it's a phrase <laughs> I struggle with as well yeah I, I don't love it um you know it is our heritage and Ren means clean in Swedish yes but actually it's you know a lot has been lost in translation over the years and for us clean was almost like a way of living clean is a, a state of mind it's how you deal with people it's how you purchase it's how you it's it's a way of life like it's mindful not, rather it's a than mindful like... thing it's a mindful thing yeah. I like that it's mindful it's not we don't use this ingredient because it's going to give you this. The dirty insert number here. Yeah, insert this. It's going to do this to your hormones. It's going to do that to your whatever. And, you know, I travel backwards and forwards to the States quite a lot. And I still see brands who are, I mean, horrible to even say, will say, we don't use this because it can create cancer, for example. And this is an extreme example, but it's yeah. an example I've physically seen in stores in America. Wow. And that's not what Ren is. We are... We're all here to play. There's space for everyone. And the industry is safe. All these ingredients are regulated. So do I think the clean category is what it should be? No. I think brands have a right to define it any way they want to define it and to stick to that definition. So as a consumer, find out what that brand's definition of clean is. And if that appeals to you, if that's sort of sitting with your ethos and your values, that's the brand you support. But it's not standardized. It's not a legal thing. And on paper, it doesn't mean anything across all the brands out there who say they're clean. So, yeah, it's, you've got to do a bit more homework. But I think we went into it with all the best intention. And I think Ren is one of the few that kind of stands a little bit ahead of the crowd in terms of what we're achieving and what we've done. But, um, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a minefield for a consumer yeah, to navigate I, this terminology. And I ask, I've asked this often. Um, do you think it would be helpful if they were, as the fashion industry are working on, like a legally defined term about some of these things? Or do you think it's just too difficult to pin down? Like what's a sustainable brand? 70% of this? Yeah. I mean, like it's difficult, isn't it? I wouldn't it? know where to even start. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to start because, you know, you're talking about ingredients, packaging, your processes. Um, their Transportation, like, like you mentioned, everything, warehouses. Absolutely. And maybe it would be nice to have 
a governing body come in and go, right, these are the parameters that are really going to make a difference. Yeah. Let's try and stick to those and then give people a couple of years to sort themselves out, you know. That would be the ideal situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I think it's challenging. So yeah, no, no clear answer on that, I'm afraid. <laughs> but I think, I think it would be really good to have some guidance and to know what really makes a difference. Because yeah. I think the part of greenwashing that comes into play is, oh, we don't, you know, oh, we're a vegan brand. And then you go, okay, that's wonderful. And we fully support that too. But then you look at all the packaging, you're like, you might be vegan, but all of that's going to landfill. Or you're using ingredients that are chopping down a forest somewhere or palm blah 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 oil, mineral oil palm oil mineral oil exactly so that's the bit that i think is a little sketchy that we need to sort of tighten up that's such a good tip though to avoid greenwashing as a consumer to just go and look at the you know the sustainability the the clean bit on the brand's website and go does that align with my values yeah it's such a good tip yeah and brands are well they should be putting that front and center it is the way the industry is moving um, so if you're doing it, it will be on your social media. It will be on your, your dot com site. Hidden away. It won't be hidden. It won't be in the small print. Um, so yeah, that would be my, my advice. And you're wearing the Surfrider Foundation t-shirt. I, am. I love We've Surfrider. mentioned TerraCycle. Mm. So this isn't something Ren has managed this zero waste pledge, mm-hmm. um, uh, all on your own, no, is it? No, You've had help. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's the important thing, um, you know, for brands who are maybe starting their journey in sustainability or zero waste Ren did have a lot of help and we reached out to people who did know what they were doing in order to enable us and I think that's that kind of open arms transparency is how we got the job done because um, you know we worked with TerraCycle who would help us you know maybe even design a product packaging or explain to us why something we're doing is not recyclable that we'd not even thought of. Wow. And that happened a lot. Really? Like we'd, we'd create We'd create a packaging based on sort of a, a, a spec that we'd give to a manufacturer and we'd go, this needs to be recyclable, da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And it would come back and all would be good and we'd do a production run and then we'd maybe show TerraCycle or down, down the road, find out that there's actually a component, a plastic component in the pump that's a different material and therefore that's not going to be recycled and then we'd have to not scrap because we don't do that because it's no. wasteful we would donate or yeah. sell through and then change that as soon as we could and that happened quite a lot and that's expensive isn't it i think yeah. like you've put your necks on the line to do all of this testing and mm. experimenting and now in a way it's lovely that other brands can copy you, but you've kind of put in the hard work, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't say we've been super profitable over the last three years, but um, <laughs> hopefully the bigger picture is that brands are going to mm. kind of sit up and, and and try to do the same, and that's that's what's important. But um, yeah. yeah, please do support us. Yes, I do. I love. We need some wins. I mean, again, if you're a fan of skincare, you'll know everyone's putting Vaseline on their face at the moment, and I just think, why oh, not gosh. use the Ren Evercalm? It's so much nicer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be said for TikTok trends. Um, uh, yes, TikTok. <laughs> I, I, do you see any TikTok trends that are like around sustainability um, that you can get behind? Or do you think it's all just people trying to get there's, there's attention? A few, there's a few people, and I'm terrible with names, so I apologize for not mentioning them. But mm. um, there's a few people I, I follow who who do educate beautifully in these sort of, sort of bite-sized chunks. Um, as far as the skincare trends go, <laughs> these <laughs> hacks that everyone's doing, I'm like, I'm old enough to have seen these things done 20 years ago, I... and now I'm getting quite annoyed that these kids are, you know. <laughs> I think they've just discovered something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And also, I'm about the, I'm about the, you know, the reality, and I'm all about mm. skin and function, and, 
you know, when you when you think about how much work goes into a rent product, even if something like a moisturizer, you're like, ah, just use it for what it's designed for, because that in itself is pretty incredible if you know the science. You don't need to be putting it in your mini fridge or slugging with it under your Vaseline or, yeah. or whatnot. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm just like, let's just all calm down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, everyone just take a breath. Take a uh, breath. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I love the Welsh. Not everything needs to be a hack for that. They're or very trend. good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All these yeah. hacks and trends. But on that phrase, trends, mm. like what realistically in the industry do you see the trends in beauty? Where's where are things heading? Um, well, I'm loving what makeup is doing right now because it's kind of going back to a very clean and by clean I don't mean sort of really <laughs> <laughs> such a difficult word to talk about. I know, it's, right? It's a, a, bright healthy fresh look you know it's pared down it's um you know and i'm seeing that coming through in makeup and Mm -hmm. often things will start with makeup and then move into skin because makeup is just so yeah it's just so immediate and quite interestingly you know people try to create different skin textures using different types of foundations or highlighting products or whatnot or dewiness but then actually what i like to do is show people what how they can achieve that just by having great skin Mm. using the right products and that was always my vibe. So I was always like, you know, skin is the canvas. You get that right yes. first and everything else is brilliant. So I do think, sorry, back to skincare. And I'm kind of going on a bit of a tangent. Mm, I think I think with skincare, we're seeing a trend for less ingredients in your inky list. So we're going less. We're going better. We are definitely looking at sustainability across ingredients. Um, I mentioned briefly upcycling of mm-hmm. sort of food industry uh, ingredients so i'm going to give you a small example passion fruit industry the juice from that in south america we upcycle the seeds that are left over the crushed seeds and from that we get a super amazing antioxidant um, which is in our sunscreen and that's one of a couple of different examples where we've taken something that would have been waste and upcycled it to actually a point where it's scientifically pretty awesome and we can use it so i think that is something we still want to explore but um, in terms of trends, I think we are also going to be understanding, going back to the function of skin, which I think I'm very happy about. I do see, I do see people getting real again about protecting your skin properly in the day, giving it what it needs at night to regenerate and heal, and just finding that that balance and that rhythm again. Um, I also think you know, environment becoming so toxic in terms of pollution and and stress, we're going to probably move more into the world of. You know, you're not going to buy a product because you want to get rid of the lines on your forehead. Yes, anti-aging. This this like, kind of dated kind dated, of marketing yeah. speak. You know, it's going to be about health, and it's mm-hmm. going to be about the quality of your skin rather than I want to get rid of this or I want to fix that or da da da. And I, I think that's kind of where it's moving. Yeah, I've always just wanted to not wear foundation, but just have amazing like even skin, yeah. so you didn't need to bother with wrinkles. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> A short interlude in the podcast now to remind you that we can't all do this alone. If we want to divest from fossil fuels like plastic, we need everyone and all companies on board. So if you want to find out what the companies you use are up to when it comes to sustainability, but you don't know where to start, there's a handy form that you can download and use to email to any company. You'll find it on my website, iamandreafox.co.uk. Back to today's episode. So often people don't want to come away from what they've always done but it's quite simple to you know use loop or you know have these slightly different for example we haven't touched on the aluminium testers that you were Mm. um working on just like different ways of doing things where there isn't all this waste involved in the process 
of bringing consumers to your brand. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the aluminium samples are a very good example of that. Um, it was a small change which immediately reduced millions of sachet samples that went alone going into landfill. Um, and that's something we hope other brands adopt as we go. Mm. But, you know, I'll be honest with you, a lot of it has to do with retailers and what their expectations are as well. Because we would, I remember when we did the Atlantic Help, um, I worked on this line. Mm. It's sort of something that's very, very close to my heart. But when we first showed that bottle to retailers and for, for people listening, it's, um, you know, the bottle is sort of a gray green plastic. They were not interested in having a gray green plastic on the shelf. They wanted what? white clear, pristine, neat-looking plastic. They didn't get it. Very short-sighted. Wow. That went on to become our biggest selling body product ever. Mm. Um, and that's because, you know, that green-gray color is because we've used post-consumer recycled plastic yep. and also plastic collected from the ocean. Mm -hmm. So I think that's it's shifted. But, yeah, we, we kind of, in many ways, fighting against this very old-fashioned machine that's mm. like, it's got to be pristine, it's got to look really chic. Da -da -da. They're not understanding that you know, you can have the sustainability and it still looks really, really cool. Yeah. It just might be a bit gray. It might be a bit green. It might have a slightly different feel to it. Yeah, we can get used to things. You can embrace some change. And yeah. I remember when we had Ren Skincare on the podcast before, even just at the very start, there were questions of, oh, it's ocean plastic. Mm. Is it going to be clean enough? And, oh, and that, right, now yeah. you just see like, oh, well, yeah, ocean plastic, everything's made out of ocean plastic. Yeah. And we're, we're just completely attuned to that as an idea. It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? How quickly things can change. Yeah, yeah. We're about to buy a gorgeous rug for the sitting room, which is made of plastic. And yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know the difference. And it's, you know, yeah. it's beautiful. And yeah, of course, it's just one example, but it's, it's, it's interesting what we can do. Mm. And I think there's so much opportunity and that's, you know, put your money behind those things. Exactly. support those things exactly yeah. and this is the thing if you well, there's enough plastic already created in the world mm. that is a useful material mm. but we just need to use what's already here rather than creating new virgin plastic yeah that's it and you know we, we've shown that there's technologies out there the problem with with new technology is you know you know the one we used um by sabic to create the infinity recycled bottles which um both all of our moisturizers are in um, they look pristine and white plastic, but that's actually made from recycled plastic. And importantly, the system that we use can take any plastic, no matter how small, what type, and it uses a heat and pressure to basically return it back to a virgin oil state, which then wow. can produce what looks like virgin plastic. So it's the world's first uh, certified circular plastic uh, system. Wow. And um, so th there is stuff out there, but I think where I'm going with this is they're only a small company because not enough people are paying mm. for that plastic because it's three times more expensive than regular plastic. So we took a hit, but we believe that was the right thing to do. Yeah. And hopefully in the future, it, it, there will be returns for us. But you've got to, yeah, you've got to put your money where your mouth where your is, mouth really. Is, yeah. yeah, you do. And that brings up another issue, um, Nopla, who have um, a, looks like cling film, but it's made from seaweed. Brilliant oh, yeah. company. Um the owner, Pierre, made the point that plastic is cheap, but the, if, if we were charged for that plastic, its effects on the environment, you would probably see more companies going for the more expensive, more environmentally mm -hmm. friendly recycled plastic that you've just described. Mm -hmm. Do you think that maybe that's something that government and industry 
it would be helpful. You'd see quite a quick sea change if that were to come in. Yeah, I do. I do, actually. And I mean, I've visited countries where they do put a value on plastic in terms of recycling. And that works brilliantly. And you see people collecting plastic on the street when they're walking around because they know they're going to get, you know, a couple of cents for that here and there. It has worth. And I think that's interesting. And that's something the government could absolutely get behind. And I, I think that is something we need to, we should probably also touch on as well. And I think we all have responsibility as individuals, but a lot of that, a lot of that marketing is to kind of, I feel, detract from some of the bigger players out there who are really needing to do some of the work to support us. Um, we can all switch off lights and we can all do our recycling at home, da, da, da. But the real change that needs to happen is at a much higher level. So I think that's that's something we need to, we need to advocate, we need to educate, and we need to stand up for, for things that are not working within our system. Yeah, yeah, completely. And you've been, Ren, have been standing up for the education all the way along. And I always think this, like... It's lovely to make those personal choices um, mm. and it really sends a message out there. But, you know, unless you own an airline <laughs> or an yeah. oil field, you know, d- you can't stress too much about it. And that's definitely what I've done, I think, in mm. the past. Get really stressed about my own personal choices rather than, you know, like, like you said. Writing a letter to your local MP, exactly. for example, or, you know, signing petitions going, you know, looking what petitions are available to sign to support the things you believe in. Uh, doing that sort of stuff mm. is very, very important. But mm. I think media would have the blame put on the individual and we both have a role to play. But I think it's just something we need to be conscious of as well. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And I just want to touch on your personal life because I hear you're a scuba sure. diver. Um, <laughs> is that where your sort of like love of nature and everything oh, gosh. came came about from, loving scuba diving? <laughs> um, well, I, Although yeah, we're sitting I love, in the Cotswolds, so I guess yeah. you haven't been scuba diving very recently. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, I think the Cotswolds is one of the most landlocked places in the UK. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love scuba diving. I grew up in um, I grew up in Africa, and grew up without television or any sort of entertainment. We didn't have you know the phones wow. and the iPads in my day. Um, but I would go out into the into the bush. I would be sort of amongst nature all the time finding little animals that needed help and assistance. And it was very much a sort of outdoor Tarzan-like life. I also volunteered at the local zoo in the reptile park. And my dad and I did a lot of little conservation projects around our local area. So, yeah, I mean, nature for me is the most important thing. And, you know, it's why I support um, people like the World Land Trust and the wonderful work they do. So, yeah, for me, it's it's super important. My partner, Richard, is... um, a marine biologist and author and scientist. Uh, so we travel together and we sort of discover new species around the world. Oh he specializes in seahorses or pygmy seahorses. Um, so yeah, I lucked That's out with that one. That's the cutest one. one. <laughs> yeah, it is the cutest one. And we were actually together in South Africa when he found and named a new species, the South African pygmy seahorse, first one discovered in the Indian Ocean, because normally they're sort of in the coral triangles where you find them in Asia. Wow. Uh, so for me to be there as a South African with my partner, who is just so passionate and, and sort of educated on, on these things, and to see this little creature for the first time, mm. it's like, that's what drives me. It's those moments and realizing that there's still so much positivity and there's still so many beautiful things worth saving. And that's for me what the fight is about. And we can often dip into the negative and go, don't do that, do, don't do that, don't do that. I prefer to go, let's look at what's working, what's worth saving, let's be positive. Um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's great. 
Yeah. I'm very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's such a good message. Like there is such wonder in nature, isn't yeah, there? It, can, yeah. it really can be a driving force. Yeah. Um, David, uh, we've already touched on it, but plastic is a good material. We're just using it in the wrong way. Mm. Is there an item in your life that you consider your favorite plastic item? You are glad that there is plastic, <laughs> plastic exists for? Um, yeah, okay. I'm just, I'm scanning the kitchen <laughs> now. Scanning. I'm scanning the kitchen. Do you know what? I've, I've recently made some... I've recently made some swaps, some sort of plastic swaps. Um, so what I do love is this baking tray I have made of silicon. Love I those. If, I don't know if that counts as plastic, but I literally use that all the time in my oven. Um, I also have got into the habit of cooking bigger meals that I can freeze things mm. and not waste things. And the containers that I sort of put those in they've got a glass bottom but the lid is plastic so I guess that's one thing that I I would not want to lose (laughs) um and I guess I guess that would be the two that I use the most um and I have those beautiful little Japanese knives that have a plastic handle by the way (laughs) they've got a ceramic it's a ceramic (laughs) knife incredibly sharp um but the handle is plastic and let me tell you I love those knives this is the thing. It's always like food or beauty because I feel yeah. like those are the, you know, washing your face twice a day, putting yeah. on your skincare, eating three meals a day. They're the touch points where you can make a difference, like on a, re- on a small but regular basis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my hairbrush is a Manta brush, which I love. Um, I don't know if you've used Manta brush before. No, it's I'm a Tangle Tees girl. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, this, is, this is similar, but it's got a, it basically wraps around your hair, your hand, and you brush your hair and it doesn't break your hair. Mm. Um, but that's made of plastic. But let me tell you, I use that twice a day. My boyfriend uses the same one. We are, we're obsessed with our Manta brush. So that's the, other, that's the only other thing I would say that's a big part of our lives. I love that. <laughs> Top tips there. Um, and finally, please, your environmental hero, who do you look up to? Oh, is it cheesy if I say Richard? <laughs> no, not at all. This is your partner, Richard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because I think, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are doing incredible work that don't that aren't really at the, the front of people's minds. Yeah. And I think it's those scientists around the world that are maybe unknown, but are who, who have dedicated their lives to, it could be to one animal species, and that's all they do. They're on this planet for 70 years, and they dedicate themselves to saving that one species. And I think that's pretty awesome. You know, of course, David Attenborough and yes. people like that who, who have been with us since we were children and who certainly have influenced our love for the planet now or and our wonder um there's a place for them uh certainly but um yeah I think Mm. you know I get inspired by people who do things in their daily life and who take the time just to understand the facts and try to make a difference in their own world and sphere um I often look at some of the the the, the sort of the the bigger names out there and uh I kind of get a little skeptical sometimes It's difficult, isn't it? You Profile versus actual work being done yeah. sort of a vibe. But, uh, and not, not, not talking about David Attenborough in that no. sentence, but obviously we can't all be David Attenborough. But no, actually, you no, know, no. Lizzie Carr, who I know that Ren's worked with yes, a lot. Yes, absolutely. We can, yeah, yeah. you know, do what we can in our own communities. Yeah, and I mean, that's why we work with Surf Rider and yeah. I love those guys. Uh, Chad Nelson uh, is a great guy. And they, you know, they are that organization that is not only educating, but they're also um, sort of advocating for change on a government level in the US. They are creating new ocean parks and sort of um, creating safe beaches for everyone to Mm. enjoy, clean beaches for everyone to enjoy. so yeah, I, I think organizations like that who are actually going out there and making making real change are super, super important and really, really cool. Um, 
but yeah, I think let's let's all be our own little citizen scientists and and do our own little bit. Huge thank you to David and everyone from Ren Skincare for organising this interview, for welcoming me into his house and to see his chickens. <laughs> now, on to today's Eco Life Hack. As you heard there, David's partner is a marine expert. So if you've got an interest in the creatures in the deep or a budding marine biologist at home, then I urge you to check out his fascinating book. It's called The World Beneath. The Life and Times of Unknown Sea Creatures and Coral Reefs by Dr. Richard Smith. Now, the book allows you an amazing insight into some truly fascinating, gorgeously colourful creatures, many newly identified and some that are on the verge of extinction. So check it out at your local library or hit up the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, wash your hands, wash recycling. No one wants food in their recycling, do they? And I'll see you next time on the Age of Plastic podcast. Thanks so much for listening this far. It cost me to make this podcast and host it. So if you'd like to support the Age of Plastic podcast, you can find out how at patreon.com forward slash age of plastic.